0: Listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we do use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. To get access to new episodes, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in on the conversation on Instagram and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast, where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. But don't take our word for it. <laughs> now on to today's case. Oh, man. Hey guys, Torella here. Before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to give you a quick update. Um, There are a few places in here where we talk about the victims that have now been identified and one victim is Espy Pilgrim and unfortunately, when I was putting that information into my notes for the show, I spelled it incorrectly, and therefore I pronounce it incorrectly as EPSI and not SB. So I do recognize this. Um, it's in a few different places in the episode, so I'm really not able to go in and remove it completely or fix it. Uh, so I wanted to put a quick blurb here just to let you know that I am aware that it is mistake. And, uh, there's no excuse for it. Her name is SB. And, um, I just wanted to let you guys know that you should expect that it was not intentional. And, um, I just, I simply read it incorrectly, put it into my notes and it made it into the episode that way. So I wanted everybody to know that her name was SB. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. (sighs) you sound so excited (laughs) guys it's been a fucking doozy yeah yeah every time we walk away from recording and we come back we're like what did we do wrong it's like we have to set up everything again so as if it was the first time we're working through the sound literally don't know what happened bear with us bear with us um all right so redhead murders part two Duh, duh. Um, okay, so where we left off last week, we had just learned about the abduction, rape, and attempted murder of Linda Shack, another redhead woman in Knoxville, uh, Tennessee area. I kind of want to like every time you say redhead woman, I'm like 'Cause I'm a red head woman,' but it's oh, redneck. Oh. But that's redneck what I want to do. Yep. And while our suspect, Jerry Leon Johns, seemed to fit the MO and the area of the killings, they continued while he was incarcerated and being questioned about the murders. So that's where we left off, just to give you a recap. Yep. Uh, So during the time between when uh, Jerry Johns and our next suspect is emerging, Lisa Nichols' body would be positively identified Um, although unfortunately it doesn't lead to any new leads in the case. So last week we did also talk about, you know, at that point, most of the victims were unidentified. There were only a couple that were identified. They were mostly all Jane Doe's. I did go back through and just list which ones ended up being identified in 2018. Um, so, well, and Lisa Nichols was identified before, but, um, I'm still going to plug those into the timeline today, like in chronological order sort of thing. But, you know, we know that some of them have already been identified. So I didn't forget that we talked about it. Just saying. (laughs) So good call. And then another thing, guys, there's because this is an ongoing investigation, it's unsolved. There's not a lot of information out there. So what I did is I went through and scoured, like the newspaper articles from the time. Um, And so I'm getting stuff from just the information that we have available. Um, So the next piece is from the Lexington Herald Leader, which is a Kentucky newspaper. Carl, I'm going to stop you right there. All I'm hearing are a lot of excuses. That's what I'm hearing. And I wish you could see the look on my face. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see me anymore because she burned right through my face <laughs> with that look. Yeah, I burned your face clean off. Yeah. Um, so February, I'm I'm not even gonna dignify that. <laughs> fucking response. She's just gonna power through it. So February sixth, nineteen eighty six. Um, the title of the article was "Truck Driver Not Suspect." Oh, uh oh not suspected in eight redhead murders. So Bill Estep is the writer of this article and he says a Pennsylvania truck driver questioned in connection with the redhead murders has been cleared as a suspect in the string of eight unsolved killings. At this point, our agency does not consider Thomas Lee Elkins as a suspect in our unsolved murder cases. And that's uh, coming from Steve Watson, the deputy director of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, the TBI, as we in the biz call it. Sure. Uh, Elkins, 32, a long-distance trucker, was arrested Monday, so this was in 1986, on US-51 near New Bern, Tennessee, 80 miles north of Memphis, and was charged with kidnapping and raping a young, redheaded woman. Okay. Bad so, time to be... Anything, doing anything with anybody who's redheaded and yeah, like, to be redheaded. That's just the worst thing. So we have two people that are considered suspects in the redhead murders because they were caught raping and kidnapping redheaded you know, women, like targeting redheaded women. Yeah. And Jerry Leon Johns or whatever left that woman for dead. He tried to strangle her with her own T-shirt and thought she was dead, but they didn't do the, like, what the fuck? What How are many people in the world yeah. what's happening here like one time yeah they're they're following it almost exactly and leaving these people along the same highways and they're not the kid like that's terrifying to me i just it's if you're redheaded get some mace yeah i'm scared for you right now and i'm jealous of your hair color oh my god so so beautiful kissed by fire oh In Game of Thrones. (laughs) Uh, The 20-year-old Boston, Massachusetts woman who told police she was kidnapped in Indiana or Illinois was later able to escape while Elkins was sleeping and called police from a farmhouse, said Jim Porter, a Dyer County Sheriff's investigator. TBI officials were notified about Elkins' arrest as a matter of routine. Because our investigation of the unsolved cases, we routinely talk to people involved in these types of crimes, he said. However, a TBI agent concluded... After questioning Elkins yesterday that the truck driver should not be considered a suspect in any of the eight unsolved murders. Watson said Elkins remains jailed without bond in Dyer County on the kidnapping and rape charges Porter said. So we're not given information about why Thomas Lee Elkins should not be considered a suspect in these killings. It maybe he was incarcerated during the time of some of the killings. Um, but obviously, the M.O. is strikingly similar. It's uncanny. Yes. Really. really. Although, I, th- I don't think that he did try to strangle this woman, but not everything else is there. He certainly brutalized her. Yeah. So, who's Thomas Lee Elkins, you ask? I didn't realize I asked it, but sure. I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. <laughs> so other than kidnapping and raping this woman, he was an all around otherwise piece of shit. Great. We love talking about those. Yeah. I hate him. So he was born on November 19th, 1953, which made him 33 at the time of the article we just discussed. And he's 65 Gross. now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're 33. Almost 33. <laughs> the abduction in the women. Uh, oh my goodness. All day. Yep. The abduction of the woman in 1985 was not his first violent crime or his crime that is sexual in nature. So let me give you this rap sheet. In 1980, Thomas Elkins was arrested in Louisiana for rape and kidnapping, but the charges were for whatever reason, dropped. 1981, he's convicted in Illinois for indecent liberties with child and rape. What does indecent liberties with child mean? I don't know. Maybe he was showing things or... One eternity later. Okay, so I looked up indecent liberties with a child, and it means soliciting the child to engage in any lewd fondling or touching of the person of another with the intent to arouse or satisfy the sexual desires of the child, the offender, or another. I wanna punch this guy in his face. And rip his dick off. Like, yeah. gross. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. <gasps> Jinx. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so in 1986, he was convicted of abducting a victim in Tennessee. While in custody, he allegedly bragged to a cellmate that he'd murdered three red-haired victims whose (sighs) bodies were found on interstate roads in that state. Then in 1990, he committed aggravated sexual battery in Florida, but was not arrested. And that 1986 charge, I mean, obviously, is the one we just talked about right okay so um 1990 aggravated sexual battery but he was never arrested uh in 1991 he was arrested for kidnapping and raping a 16 year old female at a harris county truck stop he was then convicted of both the texas offense and the 1990 florida offense resulting in two concurrent 20-year sentences but then listen to this that was 1991 mm-hmm. okay so then on march eleventh, two 2011 he was civilly committed and was paroled to a houston halfway house what the actual so, fuck yeah 10 years later <laughs> then on october 5th 2012 he removed his ankle tracking monitor and got the fuck out of there yeah so who was surprised by that <laughs> exactly so he served 10 years and all the while he's been how over and over and over Abducting people, raping people, kidnapping people, doing stuff with children—that should be an instant life in prison. Yes, because you can. I'm sorry. Maybe you feel like you can rehabilitate people. I, I don't, don't I think, think we've that talked about the kidnapping. I know. Yeah. If there's any kind of a sexual, sexual nature at all, but aggression, violence, yeah, towards children, I think that's immediate. No. Yeah. You're and, done. and any kind of kidnapping I just really feel like yes because I'd, I feel like we should slip in a little Nicole buyer you're done <laughs> from nailed it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it's just that that one episode that we did where we were like you know looking at the makings of a serial killer or whatever uh, they all had kidnapping in their history I feel well, like when you start they want to do. They want to test the waters. They yeah. want to see what they can get away with, and you they get more and more taking bold. Taking people—that yeah. there's something wrong there. Like, yeah, it's, something got to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, so that was October the fifth, twenty twelve. He ran away, and then he wasn't out long. He was arrested on October the nineteenth, twenty twelve, when he was spotted by a traveler in a truck traveling in Dallas County. So they saw him recognized his picture from the news and called the police thank goodness um and then that's it until 2018 no leads no suspects no victims identified in over 30 years what's terrifying to me is because we have talked about a lot of cases we've both i think everybody who's listening has been exposed to tons of cases and you think especially in this day and age and with that many victims like it wouldn't be as surprising to me if it was one person that passed away not that one is less you know terrible than the other but i'm just saying like the sheer quantity of victims it's just ridiculous or crazy to me that well and i mean honestly what's even like on that kind of same token is researching this case there's six six people that are like definitively linked as victims of the redhead murders. There's, you know, could be as many as 11 that are kind of teetering on the edge. Most people don't think that these others are part of this necessarily. But okay, so already you've got five people who were murdered in one of these states, left on a highway, on the side of a highway or whatever, that could be connected. But if you go through like, the web sluice thread on this, there are people just being like, what about this Jane Doe? What about this Jane Doe? What about this person? There's probably gotta be 50, 60 people that these, these people who are doing so much research i mean the the people on web Sleuths on this topic in particular everybody on web Sleuths i think is amazing but these people i mean they're like pulling stuff and they're saying well this one strikes me as like a robert ben rhodes victim this one strikes me as this this one strikes me as that like they're going through and looking and finding like the similarities to other cases and deciding whether or not they think it could be tied to the redhead murders and there's 50 60 probably more jane does or there are some identified victims that they're like could this be part of it i'm imagining charlie from it's always sunny and <laughs> who, <laughs> who is pepe sylvia who is pepe yeah it's i mean it's, Carol. it's crazy yes. it's so sad there's there's that many people that have reddish tint to their hair or or fit it in some other way that and, and went missing around that same time it's like it's fucking crazy it's scary it's scary yeah so here's the other thing too about redheads it's so the redhead murders are not the only tales of redheads falling victim to serial killers why I know it's a weird thing so I found this article called redheads and serial killers what and it says several killing sprees have targeted women with red hair. So, this is written by Katherine Ramsland, PhD. So, and this was written in May of 2018. So, she says, Last week came news that police in Texas and Louisiana are investigating whether a serial killer is killing and decapitating redheaded women. Oh, God. Yeah. So, the heads were discovered in plastic bags tossed near lakes 150 miles apart. Um, On March 1st, one was found near Lake Calcasieu and the other turned up three weeks later in Lake Houston. So these are two redheaded women that were killed. And it says if it turns out the same person is responsible for both, it may be similar to. Others like trucker Charles Floyd, who I've never heard of, um, says in 1948, he broke into an apartment in Tulsa, Oklahoma, attacking a woman and her teenage daughters. He raped her, but a neighbor interrupted and he fled before he killed anyone. Then down the street, he cut a hole into the door of another home, entered and bludgeoned a woman to death. The victims all had red hair. So weird. Um six years earlier he murdered a redheaded pregnant wife of a fellow trucker and then later that year he raped and murdered a mother and daughter both redheads so did he was he done wrong by a redhead because that it's like ted bundy i mean he targeted only dark haired because he got i mean he felt like he was it was he was going after his ex-girlfriend yeah I mean, it's crazy. So then there's Glenn Rogers, uh, who also seemed to, she says, have a thing for redheads. So he was called the cross-country killer. He traveled from state to state between 1993 and 1995. He um, would cozy up to women, ask for favors, he ended up being convicted of five murders, but he did brag that he'd murdered more than 70 people. He ended up, he yeah, he confessed to like over 70 murders. He also said that he murdered Nicole Brown Simpson. Mm-hmm. He was in California at that time. So a lot of people think that maybe Glenn Rogers, who also had red hair, um, may may have something to do with this because he was originally from this area and then he moved to california for a while mm-hmm. and he traveled with a circus yeah he was like a Carney i guess <laughs> uh for a while thank, thank god he didn't say that he was going to be a country music <laughs> i can't deal with right. another one of those yeah <laughs> um so and i did look into him a little bit too because some people said you know what about glenn rogers but during the times of these murders specifically it it says his history says that he was in california now could he have traveled back and forth i mean i think he could have i think he was where was the circus going exactly like he traveled a lot so i don't know exactly where you know he was but he was living in california at the time and i mean obviously this is really fucking far yeah from that super fucking far um so but it turns out that his mother was a redhead and um and why does everybody hate redheads i just love I them know. I and so four of his five victims were red haired and he said that his mom rejected and abused him so he hated redhead people Man. and i he was redhead too so i mean know. that's terrible but yeah it's like you're gonna go after your own kind yeah brother <laughs> yeah I was going for a Hulkamania thing. <laughs> I don't even... What's... What Hulk is Hogan? Oh. Brother. I'm sorry. I was thinking like the Incredible Hulk. I got confused. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got confused. <laughs> How embarrassing for you. It's just weird to hate somebody based on a hair color. I know. Like, it's a lot of hate. Yeah. It's... Well, and I guess it's just one of those things. I mean, w- when we've talked about other serial killers that, you know, it's like, oh, their mom like that one guy glenn rogers he hated his mom so anytime he saw anybody with red hair he was like went into a fit of rage because it reminded like instantly brought him back to his mom or something i guess he needed a lot of therapy how you're treated by your mother matters a whole mothers what? be good to your daughters and fathers be good to him too yep because they become <laughs> and they do- no okay. We're not going to yeah. do the whole thing too much, but yeah. yeah, it's just. I mean, obviously, the stability and the parental unit is a huge factor in sure. what happens. But I mean, it's just so sad. Yeah, So <sighs> like all these people, you know, they can go back and that. I mean, that's a similarity that a lot of them have. It's just yeah, definitely i it's mean so jeffrey sad. dahmer he his mom never even held him or picked him up it's crazy yeah never yeah. showed him any kind of affection or any um physical touch at all yeah yeah you have to have yeah physical touch mm-hmm. it's just it's so sad well we're humans and we need we crave that we need yeah. to be you need close hug- to someone you need hugs and kisses <laughs> and, and when you fall kisses. down get a get your boo-boo kissed yeah yeah i think ben takes advantage of that a little bit Hell I would <laughs> do. Give me yeah. a band-aid. But as long as he wants me to kiss his boo-boos, I'm kissing his boo-boos. Because well, yeah, they're a, be a day. Exactly. He's not gonna want me to. Exactly. Taking it while I can. Alright, so let's get back on it. Yeah. So that's the uh I just thought it was an interesting article like looking at a few different killers who specifically preyed on redheads. I thought it was it was just strange. Maybe they're jealous because that's the only that's the only logic that I can come up with. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because redheads are People pay a lot of money to get that color. Absolutely. And it's really tough to keep up if it's not natural. It's so pretty. I know. Yeah. So pretty. Okay. So then in August of 2018, TBI agents were made aware of a blog focusing on missing persons cases. One of the individuals listed on the website was Tina Marie McKinney Farmer, who was reported missing from Indiana. So we talked about, obviously, we talked about her last week. Um, Ms. Farmer matched the description of the unidentified female found in Campbell County. And in September, her fingerprints were matched with the postmortem prints of the victim. In an article on UPI.com, detective Aaron Frederick of the Kentucky state police says the cases are probably connected. There's a lot of similarities. There's still too little evidence to officially connect the cases, but the parallels are striking. The six women were found mostly naked beside major roadways between 1984 and 1985. They all had red hair and most of them had been strangled. So, of course, at the time in the 80s, they didn't connect the cases. The women were found hundreds of miles apart. Um, the investigations were handled by different agencies. And so it's not like, you know, they had the computer Mm-hmm. or anything Yeah. You know, like you know they probably had to even fax each other <laughs> gross <laughs> like yeah so and they're, you know they're not talking to each other and if somebody's reported missing in even a completely different state i mean even counties over they don't know about it unless you saw it on the news or or somebody because i've we've i've covered or not covered but like read some cases where some cops actually do reach out to other yeah jurisdictions and things like that right yeah and it's and that would be kind of like a hail mary like hey just calling to see if you got any missing people that i can i mean it's not a bad idea to do but in what like you know the um one of the victims was from new hampshire they're not gonna think to call new hampshire totally you know if you're in tennessee or kentucky or whatever so i mean it's just really luck of the draw yeah yeah um What's more, only one of the six women was identified at that time. So, with little evidence, no family members demanding justice, the cases went cold, and they were soon forgotten. So, the first break in the case after 1986 came in 2017. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, And it was just like a lot of these victims were, you know, were they were sex workers or they just they lived transient enough lifestyles that it didn't really raise I think a lot of red flags I know that Tina Farmer was reported missing in Indiana but she was found in another state but um I think a lot of them really weren't even reported missing or some of them so you know I think some of them thought she just left yeah well i mean if you don't have a home base right yeah so it's like that's even another hurdle to jump through is first of all you gotta you have to be reported missing for police to even know to look for you yeah and then these women unfortunately even the ones that were reported missing after a while they just said i mean she's a grown woman she can do whatever she wants like Mm -hmm. we don't we don't know And and, like, there's really not information about the victims. Like even the ones that are identified, there's not a lot out there about them as people. Like, and maybe just the families aren't talking to the media or it just, it really doesn't seem like the media is that interested. That's really sad. Yeah. I don't get it. But, um, so in 2017, the FBI re-examined evidence from a 1985 homicide Um, in which a Jane Doe with red hair was found inside a refrigerator near a Kentucky highway. So that's the refrigerator that had the superwoman decal on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The FBI called, Frederick said, so this is uh, Aaron Frederick, the detective. They said they found a match for a fingerprint found on the refrigerator. The print ended up uh, being unrelated to the case completely, but it spurred him to re-examine the old files. He said, I had never heard of this case. I came back and looked it over. We'd had no leads since 1992, so we decided to put a press release out to try and get her identified. So the release went out in July 2017, and then the following October, a woman from North Carolina called saying she thought that uh, the woman could be her mother, which was Epsi Regina Black Pilgrim. So she later gets identified and they just she goes by Epstein Pilgrim or that's what they call her but so Frederick went to North Carolina to gather DNA evidence and while they were awaiting the results uh, movement began in other cases so in the spring of this year a high school sociology class in Elizabethton Tennessee began researching the redhead murders and this year is 2018 this is from an article in 2018 yes for a class project the students and their teacher Alex Campbell gathered information from multiple police agencies and solicited advice from an FBI profiler these kids are fucking amazing they contacted all these agencies they started doing you know Charlie and <laughs> like, Yes, they're putting all their papers up with the strings and yeah with the strings and everything because they're looking at all these Jane Does that had been found and what <laughs> the teacher said was that like when they realized that there was somebody who had been murdered and it was unsolved very near them it was only like I don't know maybe 20 30 minute drive from where they were they were like holy shit like it's like i think especially when you're young you feel like that kind of stuff happens somewhere else yeah it and doesn't yeah. happen where you are yeah and a lot of times when you know you hear it when family members are interviewed they're like you know we never thought it could happen here mm-hmm. or whatever but meanwhile I, think I didn't even do book reports or read you know what i mean like i don't <laughs> i don't have that gumption i don't understand <laughs> it's amazing well you didn't even do it if you were assigned it surely you had it assigned. i mean there was like one book that i really enjoyed reading but other than that it was like somebody asked me like oh you've read huckleberry finn right and i'm like i took the test on it <laughs> yeah did not read it i used to read a lot i don't anymore <gasps> when i talk about it i fall asleep now if i start reading i'm like <sighs> i can't stay awake <laughs> at all um so, yeah, so they called all these different agencies and, you know, he said it was just crazy to them that that it could happen, you know, something like that could happen that close and this person wasn't identified. And it was just sad to them that, like, they felt like, you know, these women deserve to be identified and they deserve to have justice. Yeah. So by the end of the semester, Campbell, um, who's the teacher, Alex Campbell, was convinced the killings were the work of a serial killer. We determined there were six murders linked together. And he said it's ridiculous to assume that six different killers in the same area at the same time killing in the same way for the same reason. So I think I agree with that. Like that many Mm -hmm. probably but they're definitely like joel rifkin Mm. he was working at the same time as who was the other guy i can't remember but they were literally in the same area oh like the long island yeah maybe that was it because joel rifkin was long he was in long island okay Yeah. yeah so and then there were some in california too working at the same time oh yeah like the um highway stranglers or something I don't remember, but and even in the in the Long Island serial killer documentary or whatever, it's like mm-hmm. the eight part thing with that guy and the girl. I like, I forget their names now. Josh and Rachel, I think. Um, they you know they were kind of chasing down leads, trying to see if there were other people that were part of you know that should be included as victims of Lisk, and they were kind of like mind blown to think like how many active serial killers there are basically all the time mm-hmm. and when you start looking at crossing state lines kind of trucker kind of things or whatever it's impossible to figure out who's linked together but there's tons happening all the time and you just don't realize it it's it's, it's scary. terrifying yeah, yeah. It's so scary the killer they said was probably a truck driver based in Knoxville. He lured hitchhikers or prostitutes into his truck and killed them with his bare hands before dumping their bodies beside the road the student's profile alleges and we'll get into their profile a little bit more Um, they sent their eight page profile to each agency investigating the killings including Frederick who was still waiting on the DNA results for his victim immediately recognized that the children's analysis could be right so a few Dance. months kids i know i like i'm really so proud of them like i don't know <laughs> them but i'm like guys just so good like, they're your own children that you raised up and oh my gosh could you imagine if one of my children later completes like some sort of an fbi worthy criminal profile that's the dream that's the dream that's why you have kids exactly um, a few months after the students released their findings, investigators with the TBI came across a blog post about a red haired woman missing from Indiana. So, this is where they were able to um, identify Tina Farmer. Since this investigation is ongoing and remains very active, we can't confirm any connection this case may have to another, Leslie Earhart, a spokeswoman for TBI, said in an email. It's too premature to, or in the investigation, to discuss such specifics. Then a month later, the Kentucky victim's DNA came back as a match for Epsi Pilgrim. So she was the one in the refrigerator. Mm. Knowing the victim's identity has enabled Kentucky police to reopen the decades-old investigation. Frederick now knows that Pilgrim was last seen in the middle of the night at, the, at a truck stop in Kentucky seeking a ride to North Carolina. So remember, she was from North Carolina. Her daughter lived in North Carolina, and that's how they identified her. A witness remembers someone calling across the CB radio offering her a ride. So that's another reason they think they're thinking truck driver is a lot of these women were either last seen at a truck stop, leaving a truck stop. Or heard on like a CB radio or something. Yeah, or like just catching a (gasps) ride from a trucker. Candy 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 cane. (laughs) What was that movie called? Um... Joyride. Joyride, yeah. God. God R. R. I P Paul Walker. <laughs> oh, Paul Walker. <laughs> Steve Naughton I love him so much. Yeah. The various police agencies investigating the six redhead murders are not working together. But they have, however, agreed to share any relevant new information. Um, you know, I feel like if we could just like all work together, then maybe we could get it solved, but I mean, I get it. You can't it's probably really hard to get all of them together. Well, fuck. I mean, use Google Hangouts, guys. <laughs> Skype call. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we do ways. have other things to do, though. Yeah. Not that these are not as important, but yeah. <laughs> if this doesn't get solved soon, a lot of the people who saw something and might be able to help will be dead, Campbell said. If we don't do it soon, it's never going to get done. So we're just going to keep pushing. We're not giving up on these women. We have a lot happening in the span of a couple months or so. We have Tina Farmer identified in September 2018, Epsy Pilgrim, Identified in October of 2018, and then in November 2018, the Green County Jane Doe was identified as Elizabeth Lamotte of New Hampshire. All right, so now we've got the profile that these students put together, and I just wish that I had had some kind of a class like this. That would have been amazing, or like a teacher that was like, "Hey, do you guys want to try to solve a murder case?" How awesome is that? If we would have started this earlier, we might not still sound like dumb high schoolers talking about murder cases. (laughs) We're kind of living this life, aren't we? Yeah, we're in it. Yeah. Okay. So they put this together in May of 2018. So there's uh, different points that they touched on. So the first is the sex of the offender. They say male. Um, Their reason for that is that he only preys on females and serial killers almost always target the opposite sex. Um, They also cite that the killer is able to overpower the victims because he did kill them with his bare hands. So they're thinking that because of that, this is probably a male just because he was able to able to overpower Um, age. They think the date of birth would be no later than 1962, but no earlier than 36. So their rationale for this is that nearly all serial killers begin their murders in their late teens or early to middle 20s and that's the age when most mental disorders often manifest themselves and are diagnosable the killer would need to be relatively full grown in order to accomplish the killings did i say uh, accomplish, accomplish. <laughs> yes. god maybe i need to go back to grade school <laughs> The, um, so they were order, able to, in <laughs> order to accomplish the killings, and they were committed with their, <laughs> let's just leave off the beginning of all of the words, whoopsies, um, whoopsies in order dupies. to accomplish the killings, since they were committed with bare hands, a teenage boy wouldn't be physically mature enough and probably wouldn't feel comfortable using only his hands against a fully physically developed female. Um, and then of course the killer would also have to be of, of or above the legal age to possess a commercial driver's license working on the assumption that the suspect was a truck driver so the upper end of the age range would be 48 at the time of the last known victim and there comes a time when health age strength will become a limiting factor in killing with your bare hands so they think that around 50 would be the time period that would limit the physical ability so that's why they they kind of went to no you know no earlier than and no later than Mm -hmm. um they think that this person is between five nine and six two um again most of that is just the being able to transport the victims um moving the bodies around because some of them you know they think were definitely moved the the one victim who you know, the fresh snow was around, but there were no footprints and all of that. So definitely some of these victims have been moved Well, and put in the freezer. Yeah. Put in a freezer and the freezer put on the side of the road. Um, the they think the person is one hundred and eighty to two hundred and seventy pounds. Again, all it's all of those the physical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Where does he live or work? They believe that this person lives on or around Interstate 40 in Knoxville, Tennessee region. They said a job as a truck driver most assuredly requires the suspect to frequently travel I-40. All of the murders trend along I-40 corridor or along roads that branch off from the interstate such as I-75 and I-81. They feel that many of the possible Jane Doe's outside of the main six are from areas that don't fit that pattern and they think can be excluded." The only victim that is not found along an interstate is the Wetzel County, West Virginia, Jane Doe, who was found along a state highway. So they do recognize that that is one difference in part of the M.O., but they think that this was probably the first known victim looking back at the data and all of the um, crime files that they went through. So what they're saying is it wouldn't be unusual to find a small change in MO after the first victim, which does not indicate a change in signature. So they're saying, you know, she was still strangled and everything else fit. It's just where she was placed didn't fit. And that state route is still right off of the interstates that were traveled. You know, all the other victims were found on. So, they they still think and everybody that has i mean not many people have covered this case but any of the detectives that you see interviews with um or there is a guy i believe his name is shane waters um he has a podcast called out of the shadows he did like an eight or nine part series on this and he actually like went to elizabethton and interviewed these kids and he's the one that i believe he's the one that asked them to give the killer a name. That's where they came up with Bible Belt Strangler, and he was at the press conference when they they did it, when they did this whole um, profile. So he also believes that Wetzel County, Jane Doe is, is part of the victim's list they feel that anywhere along the i-40 corridor running from knoxville to nashville is a possibility for this person to probably live there are more bodies found along interstates that connect through knoxville so we got campbell county knox county and green county those are all right off outside of knoxville um so they think that this person either lives in close proximity to Knoxville or works out of there as part of a job. Nashville is another possibility, but there are less known victims that would make that the geographical center. It's just a bigger city. So it's possible Uh, motive to kill. They say mission, but cannot rule out a lust or sexual component. So they say there's evidence that the killer could be motivated by a mission, thrill or power or control. They say we feel that a mission oriented motive is the most likely motive. We have excluded lust as a singular motive since murders of this motivation usually involve overkill and a sexual nature to the crime, including rape, object penetration and necrophilia. We cannot totally exclude lust as a possible motive as the victims were found nude or partially clothed. And most of the victims who will have similar physical features were most likely in the sex industry of prostitution. We do not feel that it's a thrill killer because they often perform aberrant sexual actions upon the victim, use a weapon to torture, rape, and usually perform object penetration. We do not feel that it's a power control killer because there is almost always evidence of victim torture before death with those types of killers. Binding of the victim, including ligatures, rape, object penetration, necrophilia, none of that's present here. Uh, They believe the killer is most likely a mission-oriented unsub due to the fact that the killer's motives match best with the characteristics of a mission killer. After using a table produced by law enforcement to narrow the motives of serial killers by using characteristics of their crimes, mission-oriented scored a 13 out of possible 15 There were no signs of rape, necrophilia, torture, binding of hands or feet. Uh, torture weapons, ruling out almost all other categories besides mission. I thought this was particularly interesting. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know there was like a table for that. (coughs) Um, Mission oriented killers often see their victims as a means to accomplish an end. Most of the time, these killers attack elements of society that they see as undesirable or harmful to society, thus convincing themselves they are helping save society by cleansing it of undesirables that's so infuriating see and that's kind of what i was thinking because if it's got the prostitution aspect mm-hmm. and several of them were <clears throat> pregnant i mean so a couple of them so it's like it just reminds me a lot of the joel rifkin because he was right, like right, that yeah yeah doing the world a favor yeah getting rid of yeah yeah what he viewed as trash like you said yeah The victims in this case are most likely prostitutes and the suspect may feel a duty to clean the world of trash. Well, there are only three areas that the mission hypothesis does not totally correlate with the expected results. The movement of bodies after death, strangling as a cause of death and rape of the victim. We feel the body movement can be explained by several factors. First, many mission-oriented killers are often mentally troubled, suffering from schizophrenia or paranoid schizophrenia. Because of this, they do not move bodies as they actually believe they are doing good instead of breaking the law. Obviously, our killer knows laws are being broken, taking extensive precautions to cover any trace of identity. The suspect appears not only to be mentally sane, but also at least above average or at least average to above average intelligence. Oftentimes, mission killers do not use strangulation as a cause of death. Our killer used strangulation on some victims, but also suffocation and blunt force trauma to the head as causes of death many mission killers there is often sexual assault or rape of the victim this is not present in our killer but the suspect does leave victims nude or partially clothed we feel that this mindset of seeing the prostitutes as dirty and evil may prevent sexual contact with his victims although some pleasure is extracted from undressing the bodies and leaving them exposed so that's one embarrassing them yeah so I wonder if I mean if if these victims were sex workers then maybe he he just they thought they were getting a job sure basically and he had no intentions of that because i mean i don't know if they i'm assuming they swabbed for semen and everything yeah and it sounds like they didn't find that well and i wonder too if it's because it's reminding me of something that i can't put my finger on what it is but just to go along with that because i don't think that they're wrong at all with their assumption or their uh, profile but you know maybe he picked them up and it was like a trap where he they were like oh okay this is a job that i'm getting so then they came on to him and then that threw him into a fit of rage because he's like i knew you would be this way when it's like well i know shit that's your job right right yeah you know what i mean yeah that's true yeah especially if he's seeing this like sexual i wonder what what that would say about his history then if is it i mean you know we'd have to know who he is to i guess know why but is it just sex workers or is it is it you know like ed gein his mom made him feel like all women were sluts and whores and stuff yeah and that basically any type of sexual encounter was evil Mm -hmm. obviously these women if if they were sex workers that's they're gonna have lots of sexual encounters so yeah is he just finding all all of it and i wonder i mean maybe maybe i'm reading too much into it but like i wouldn't be surprised if this person had never had an actual sexual encounter in his life right or maybe he suffered from like erectile dysfunction or something or edmund kemper like he had a little peen. yep yeah just embarrassed or something maybe something like that happened maybe they started to do something and then she they laughed at him or whatever and that threw him into a fit of rage i don't know yeah uh occupation they say truck driver um obviously he's gonna travel frequently all the bodies are found next to interstates um Commercial truck drivers have a larger radius for travel than most other jobs. The commercial freight liner would provide more concealment and space to hide or transport bodies over multiple days. Um, a truck stop beside the interstate is totally normal and would not call as much attention as a car stop beside the interstate would. I didn't think about that, but that's... Um, that's a good point yeah incredibly like, true because you always see that like trucks just pulled off to the side or whatever sleeping or whatever yeah so people <coughs> are gonna be like excuse me sir is there a problem here yeah so that gives them that opportunity to do whatever it is that he's gonna do they believe that the race of this person is white uh they believe this because all of the victims are caucasian and it's most common for serial killers to kill victims of the same race they say over 90 percent do most killers are comfortable killing victims of the same race as they are often found in areas that are racially homogenous to themselves and do not stand out when acquiring victims personal relationships yes possible long-term relationships the killer shows all of the signs of being an organized killer by acquiring killing and dumping bodies in separate States. He also lures victims instead of just killing them where they are found. Therefore, it's most likely that the suspect is at least average to slightly above average in his intelligence and understands basic police techniques, which has aided his ability to remain undetective. His above average IQ helps to understand that these desires are not normal It must be hidden using what Harvey Cleckley referred to as the mask of sanity, Um, which is so terrifying. But I mean, Ted Bundy, like all of like these people who can get victims, they act totally normal. Edmund Kemper, you Mm -hmm. know, he, he would do all these things that are like, Oh, I'm acting like I'm too busy that I don't really want to pick these people up. I have the, you know, the, the school, tag or whatever on his car so that it looks like he works with the school and Mm -hmm. just all these things that are like oh yeah i'm i'm a normal person just like you i'm totally safe whatever um he makes those around him feel that he is normal makes them feel at ease in his presence even though underneath he has a brutal desire to kill he gets prostitutes and hitchhikers to go with him although they are more willing to do so um but i mean even you know if you get a bad feeling if you're even if you are in the sex industry, they don't go with every single person. Right. You know, they, they do, there are people that they don't feel comfortable around or if you're hitchhiking, I've never done that, but, um, and neither should you. Listening. Right. But, um, you know, if, if a red flag, yeah, or if it's somebody you don't feel comfortable with and you're going to let them pass on by, this ability will likely lead to heightened communication skills, which may lead him to being perceived as having an awkward sense of innocence, but an approachable demeanor. Organized killers are often capable of serious or long-term relationships. Uh, They cite that Ted Bundy was engaged, Dennis Rader was married. However, if he is choosing a job such as a truck driver, it shows that he does not do well with conforming to societal expectations of having an ever-present boss with lots of conformity and rules. This killer will most likely have been involved in serious relationships, including girlfriends, possibly a wife. He'll have close friends that after being told may have seen some warning signs like sudden rage or rants against this victim type, but will most likely be surprised that he was responsible for so many brutal acts. Uh, They believe that he lived around Knoxville or Nashville. We already talked about that. It's kind of the geographical center. Really, Knoxville is. Uh, What kind of car, 18-wheeled semi, or commercial cargo transport? Um, And I mean, just some of the victims were were seen getting into a truck even, so that's why. Um, They think that the religious affiliation or motivation would be possibly Christian. The killer is likely to live in or around the Bible Belt. Um, So there's a higher percentage of Christians there or here we're there yeah do you know nashville is the center it's called it's known as the buckle of the bible belt damn it's like right there um so if the killer resides in this state tennessee he's likely exposed to large amounts of christianity from his family and society even if he's not devout it would not be i've lived that one yeah it would not be abnormal to find even in homes where the members are not extremely devout Bibles and stuff like that. Most Christians also believe that, according to biblical teachings, premarital sex and sexual relationships outside of the husband wife arrangement are sinful. This may feed into the negative views on prostitutes and bolster the theory of a mission oriented killer. Good call, yeah, yeah. So, medical history or physical wounds, they think that there would be some defensive wounds from victims. Uh, The killer may have possible scars or marks on his body from the victims trying to defend themselves, especially if he was using his hands. Exactly. He's going to be so close. They're definitely going to be there's going to be a struggle there yeah absolutely um and yeah like you said it's not like he stood 20 feet away and shot him with a gun so yeah that's you're it would take get, some time yeah you're gonna get up close and personal and it's likely that he would have been scratched clawed slapped in and bit in an attempt to save their lives so what they're saying though is most of these defensive wounds wouldn't require medical attention because they're small enough it's not like it's not like he stabbed all of them and they're struggling with a knife or and his hand slipped. Yeah. He got this huge gash, you know, that needs stitches or whatever. So and he could easily explain them away as, Oh, you know, I'm loading freight or whatever and I got this scratch or cut or or whatever or bruise. They yeah, s- that box bit me. <laughs> I bit myself shaving. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Um, The suspect may have some medical history of injury from heavy lifting, insomnia, sleep issues, and elevated blood pressure from job pressures, use of energy drinks, trying to stay awake while driving. He may also have a later history of high cholesterol from the frequent consumption of fast food or greasy diner food and a sedentary job back problems or blood clots may arise from elongated periods of rest and the suspect may be slightly overweight all a byproduct of his job i feel like they just described 100 percent of the bible belt yeah like later on in life we're all going to get high cholesterol we eat a lot of bacon we sit around a lot and well if you don't like bacon then i'm going to pray for you i know exactly you just need kidding. to eat a lot of bacon <laughs> just kidding it's the most precious blessing there is <laughs> and being slightly overweight i mean we have cracker barrel what are we supposed to do our hands are tied yeah have you ever tried fried okra my god get out of here delicious i know if you can eat something and have it fried why would you have it fresh gross yeah grilled chicken what's that Ugh. Ugh. ew yeah i eat healthy i eat fried chicken salads (laughs) (laughs) with lots and lots of ranch dressing literally though so many people have been like oh my god you always eat so healthy because i get a salad everywhere i go but i'm like yeah but i deep fry that shit yeah (laughs) it's fried chicken only so much ranch dressing so much cheese a lot of cheese yeah Yeah, so and croutons if they have it hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) um make it three i'm not driving (laughs) Family history, unstable home, absent father, and domineering mother. Mm-hmm. It's likely that the killer grew up in an unstable home. The family members may have abused drugs or alcohol, which led to increasingly unstable home, which included fights between adults, angry outbursts, etc. There could also be a heightened chance that the suspect grew up with a mother of undesirable characteristics, as females are targeted. Having a frequently absent or not intimately involved father also most likely contributed to the suspect's attacks um i mean i think of a lot of serial killers but edmund kemper there too because it's like if a domineering mother ed too but if a domineering mother is a factor then like edmund kemper's dad literally left because he couldn't fucking deal with her like he just uh, he just left and started he remarried and started a new family. I was just like, I can't do it. And I think she hated him because he reminded her of the dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I feel like those things kind of go together. Cause it's like, I mean, even if, you know, you don't turn out to be a serial killer, like if one of the parents is domineering or abusive or whatever, then the other one, I think has a tendency to, get real busy and be other places yeah like i don't want to come home early or whatever yeah i gotta work late i've gotta do this or get a lot of hobbies or something like just make yourself travel a lot or just leave yeah uh they think that the perpetrator is right-handed yeah yeah Um, left-handed people are safe the majority of the united states is right-handed so it's safe to assume you got really excited i'm very passionate about being left-handed and all my left-handed peeps yeah steven hey, oftentimes dad. is like i know hey dad lefties for life guilt <laughs> steven's like um you would like this band the lead singer's left-handed and i'm like yeah i would <laughs> <laughs> that's all just i, just I love needed a lefty. to know <laughs> um there's no evidence to suggest that left-handedness hmm. that horrible affliction <laughs> and the percentage of left-handed people in america is only 12 percent that was a weird sentence yeah uh this you're weird rationale may have more support with access to medical examiner reports on the victims as they were either strangled suffocated or had blunt force trauma in a right-handed unsub would generally leave more physical damage to the left side of the body because that's where it goes so they're saying there's more damage to the uh the left side there. Mm-hmm. IQ 100 plus. Um I mean they've talked about this a lot. They think that dumping the bodies in other places, um kind of going across state lines, leaving things in different areas, all of those things make him highly organized and they think he's got a, a higher IQ. Uh they believe that he is a heterosexual. Um, serial killers tend to target the gender that they are attracted to. This suspect only targets females. Criminal history, possible solicitation. Uh, Due to the fact that the victims go unreported for very long periods of time and were picked up on the side of the road, it can be inferred that the victims are estranged from their families. He made sure to pick up victims that would not, to him, be missed. Um, They were. so. Yes, very missed. Fucking douchebag. Um, considering the suspect as a truck driver, it would not be unlikely that traffic citations associated with this job were acquired as well. Um, they think that he would have been thick or stocky build mental health, no history. Um, similar to the majority of organized serial killers, the perpetrator operates in a manner that does not draw suspicion. So like they said, he's able to keep the mask of sanity, um, so that people, feel comfortable and whatever so they don't think that he would have even though he does have mental health issues he was able to kind of fly under the radar in that regard. Well, it kind of reminds me and I know that this is obviously it's based on true events because it just has to be, but the movie The cell and Carl Starker and he had this like mental illness raging inside of him and he kept it at bay with aspirin and you know, it was yeah. just it kept like kind of rearing its ugly head. Right, but he remained as I'm gonna say quote unquote normal as possible. You know, like he he seemed like a able bodied, right? Yeah, normal person of society. Well, yeah, and again, that's how that's how you acquire victims if you're you know, walking around with your glasses half <laughs> off your face saying that you got to pick up Santa Claus anyway. It's like <laughs> nobody's going to get in the car with you. Mm-mm, so mm-mm. and that's that's the profile. I mean, I think it's really for teenage kids to do this. I mean, come on for anyone to do this. But like yeah. just knowing that it's the teenagers that are doing this. And, I mean, they submitted it to the FBI. I mean, this profile is is backed by all of the law enforcement agencies that are working on the case um and they actually i mean like i said they contacted all of these agencies that would have been working on these missing persons cases and they actually found that i believe it was tina farmer's file had been lost by one of the agencies it was just like a cold case they misplaced the file when they you know were calling asking about information on it they didn't even know who they were talking about like so i'm sure somebody had a paper mache project that they needed help with or something (laughs) right so it's like i mean they really put in a lot of work and i mean to be able to pull i I think that's quality work i'm just i'm very impressed with it i am too um i wish i you know had that kind of knowledge and i would vote for them for president oh for sure Mm -hmm. done yeah um, so I mean, that's really where things stand right now. There's still some victims that are unidentified. Uh, obviously, we've had kind of a rash of them identified in the last several months. Um, and hopefully we can get them all identified. Um, the profiles are on the Namus website, uh, the Doe network, and um, all of the murders are still unsolved. So if you have any information regarding these women or who may have murdered him, who if you anything, you saw somebody with somebody like you know remember a color of a truck or anything, uh, contact the TBI, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation at one eight hundred TBI find or by email at tips to TBI at tn.gov. And that's it. Wow i i really enjoyed this one yeah yeah it was a very interesting case yes i was really interested in the profile that the kids put together and i think it's nice to break up some of the cases that we've done with the unsolved cases and things like that um and it's a good way to get the case out there so if anybody does have any knowledge about it because you never know who does so exactly and like just bringing it back to the surface yeah bringing it back to the surface i mean because for so long it's been unsolved obviously for so long and it's it it was cold almost immediately all of these were cold pretty much immediately um and it, it goes that way when you don't have the victims identified now that we're identifying more maybe we can we can put you know maybe two of the victims even if just two of them happen to have a similar acquaintance you know maybe there's somebody that they happened to know that maybe a trucker that you know they knew from a truck stop or whatever you know whatever it could be but or if they were sex workers and like somebody that they both had as a client or a right yeah Yeah. or yeah anything so i mean just bringing it back up to the surface and saying you know putting it back in the public spotlight i mean anything that you can do to get some justice for these women this person could still be alive i mean it's not if he was on that lower end of the age range he'd he'd still be alive today i mean thomas elkins that was a suspect he's he'd be 65 now so Mm -hmm. it's it's not unheard of and the golden state killer was what when he got caught just recently he was only in his like 70s or something like I mean, you can still bring people to justice after a long time. So yes, you know, anything that we can do to kind of put it back out there, but it's never too late to get closure for a family. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I I think it was an interesting case and I, I kind of teetered on whether or not we should read any of that profile, but I, I just thought it was so well put together and I thought it was really interesting. And some of those things were things that I didn't know, but in, you know, once you hear some of those things like the the mission oriented killer or whatever i mean there's definitely you look at other killers and see okay this was a sexual motivation or or whatever Mm -hmm. um but the mission oriented i didn't really know about in that way like well i feel like the criminal profile profiling and the profile of the criminals have has always been a super interesting point yeah to me absolutely Um, so um i hope you guys enjoyed this one um again if you know anything let someone know let someone know. yep and um we will catch, catch on the flip-flop bye bye which we feel almost assuredly makes a suspect heterosexual nope. <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know how to like i, don't, I can't repeat that <laughs> Please try or let's just listen to it again. <laughs>